Hi, this is Michelle Weidenbenner, your Chief Hope Builder. I am the author of Mom's Letting Go Without Giving Up, Seven Steps to Self-Recovery. You can download that for free at momslettinggo.com. Welcome to the podcast that will help you feel at least 15% better. Feel free to join our Facebook private group, Mom's Letting Go, also, and surround yourself with other moms who understand your pain. If you would like to take your journey into a deeper accountability and recovery for yourself, join us at momslettinggo.teachable.com where we have a subscription membership. We have a tribe of moms who are all together in support groups and coaching and we study together and grow together and we are going to write a book together so that we can help other moms come into recovery with hope and determination and a way to find their own identity and recapture their purpose that they lose in the throes of dealing with an addicted loved one. If you find this podcast helpful, please subscribe and leave us a review because that's how other moms will be able to find us too. God bless. Welcome everybody who is watching now live. We are live streaming in the Moms Letting Go group. Or if you are catching this replay later, Welcome, welcome. Today we are interviewing Courtney Jenkins. And I was just sharing in the group a little um, earlier, why do you care about Courtney Jenkins? Okay, so moms, you have addicted loved ones who may be in jail now or may be headed to jail. And Courtney was somebody I met in our community at a support group. And way back, I don't know, maybe four years ago, three years ago, I met Courtney and she had this idea of how to revamp our jail um, program for those who were in jail with a substance use disorder. And um, it was just really in her um, creation that I met her. And then um, the next thing I heard was she was implementing this program. And I was awestruck. I was like so proud of her courage of going, you know, going forth and doing all that she did for the betterment of this community. And I love the community we live in. So welcome Courtney Jenkins, J JCAP coordinator for our Kosciuszko County Jail. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So when did you first idea, or when did you first like birth this idea um, for JCAP? And for those who are listening, JCAP stands for Jail Chemical Addiction Program. Um, when did you first like come up with this idea? Yeah. So it's, it's not my idea. Okay. <laughs> this was, um, so Dearborn County, Indiana um, has a JCAP program. They implemented the first program about, I would say 12 or 13 years ago now. Um, their program is strictly recovery based. That's their classes. They don't do life skills classes. They do recovery based programming. They do about three hours a day, five days a week for three months. Um, and the state attorney general, Curtis Hill in 2018, came out with an offer for every county in Indiana to start a JCAP program in their county. And for us, 2018 was an election year for our sheriff's office. And so the, the sitting sheriff who had been appointed because of some issues that we had had with the previous sheriff, he had been the chief deputy. Um, and so he became the sheriff by default. Um, so he was running for election in 2018. And so um, he jumped on the chance to get this grant from the attorney general's office and they came up and they made a big thing about it um, and how we were gonna start this program. Um, and then he, that particular sheriff lost the primary. So he was not going to be the sheriff and the whole, um, process just kind of died with that. And I was incredibly frustrated at the time I was going into the jail twice a week and doing smart recovery classes with the females. 
And so I just started like nagging at the jail commander. When are you going to get this program going? What can I do to help? How, how are we going to do this? What are your ideas for this? And he looked at me one day and said, this is going nowhere. We're not doing this. I'm not doing this. And I was like, I, I will do this. Like, I, I want this program because I saw from firsthand experience from my own son, how you go into jail and your criminal thinking increases and your friend base increases and it's not great friends. And um, just the, the ideas and the, the methods and, and everything, it was just bad. He came out worse every time. And what I really saw from the females and, and then I started to recognize it in my son was that they have no self-esteem and, and they're so broken and so beat down. And then they spend their time in jail. And when they get ready to leave, we say, see ya, don't come back. And they literally will say that sometimes when people get out of jail, like, don't come back um, or I'll see you next time. I've heard that said. And so oh, no. it was really discouraging to me. And I just thought, we have this opportunity to start this program and make a difference in not just people's lives, but in the culture of our jail, because not everybody gets to participate in the program. It, it, we can't, we can't, and, and not everybody wants to, but we can affect change in the jail culture. And so, um, so I continued to make noise about it. And eventually hey. I went into the, <laughs> I, I went into the sheriff's office and I said, look, I, I will do this. I want to do this. Give me something to do. So they gave me the packet of stuff from Dearborn County and asked me to just convert it to say Kosciuszko County. And so I did that. And in that process, um, I was able to really study up on all of Dearborn's processes. Um, everything from the consents and the releases to the way that they work with their um, prosecutors and their judges and their work release and community corrections, all, all of that stuff. And so I converted everything to Kosciuszko County and then I created an outline um, that was prioritized by what needed to happen first in order for this program to be implemented in our county jail. Um, and I had like things highlighted that questions that I didn't know just it was all very clearly laid out because I'm a pretty simple person. And so I needed it to be just very blunt and, and basic. And so um, I took it back into the jail commander and I was like, okay, here's what you need to do. And he was like, okay. <laughs> and so um, because I was teaching classes with the girls, he came to me and he said, okay, so pick 12 girls who do you, you know, and, and so I did. And, um, eight of them were logistically, because I didn't know any of the logistics side of who, who would qualify. I didn't know what their sentences were or how long they were going to be there or anything. So eight of those girls, um, had enough time. They fit the criteria for being in the program and they were put in the program, um, at that time. So this was October of 2018. We had three hours a day for three days a week. Um, and then when our new sheriff took office, I had already been in his ear all fall and winter about, we need this program to go. You need this program to go. Our community needs this program. We have the backing. I have this vision. And we sat down and I shared with him what I felt JCAP should be, um, which was not just recovery classes, but also heavy life skills. So we actually do a 50% balance um, life skills and recovery classes, which has proven to be um, incredibly effective and I'm super proud of it. And so um, anyway, through that process, our, our sheriff, uh, Kyle Dupes, he jumped on board. He saw the need for this program in our community. Yeah. He had been a state trooper for 20 plus years. He had arrested so many of the people that were in the jail at least once, and he knew the struggle that they had faced, and he, um, he recognized that it wasn't fair, and I've heard him say this in many, many speeches and just at different community events. He said, you know, it is not fair for us to arrest them and then not offer help. We cannot mm -hmm. arrest them and feel like they're just going to suddenly have this come to Jesus moment and, and change their life around 
without support and help because he knew the family backstories and he knew the abuse and he knew the trauma and that doesn't fix itself by spending six months in jail. And so we, um, he, he took office January 1st and he called me into his office January 3rd and asked if I would run the program. And so I did, um, for the first year I did it as a volunteer because, um, the budgets had already been done the previous year. There wasn't money there. Um, and so I just volunteered and we very, very quickly, like within the first month, we had five days of programming going. And within the first two months, we had six hours of classes, five days a week going. Oh my God. And within the first four months, yeah, we had, um, six to eight hours of classes and it just, the, it was a slow process that first year, um, as far as the culture change and getting the, the jailers on board with the program, because it definitely creates more work for them and their job. Um, And they're jaded. They see these people all the time repeatedly. And so they didn't see hope. They didn't understand addiction. And I'm not necessarily a quiet little mouse. And so when I would, <laughs> I, <love that. laughs> I would be in central and they would be talking about, you know, somebody that was being brought in and, and there was maybe some negative comments or whatever. I would just speak up and say, you know, um, they didn't choose this. You know, they don't like this lifestyle. Occasionally, um, it only happened a couple of times because I think it was really embarrassing for everyone. Um, someone would say, you know, if more parents would put the, you know, put the smack down on their kids or if more parents Uh. would get their kids under control. And here I sit, the mom of an addict, someone who may or may not have been in the jail at that very moment. Um, And I would say, I, I, I raised my son. My son went to church every Sunday. My son was loved. My son went on vacations and rode dirt bikes and camped with his family and has little sisters that adore him. And yeah, he wasn't raised like this. Not all these people were raised like this. And so they have slowly shifted their opinions and their thoughts. And I am so happy to say that here we are, um, two years later, just over two years later. And, um, I have jailers come to me and say, Hey, Johnny and in F block, he could really use your program next time. And, or I was talking with so-and-so and they, if, is there any way that you could get them some, some resources for meetings on the outside? Like they, they care, they see, they have seen the success of our participants and, wow. and it was like, oh, maybe, maybe we can help Maybe Maybe this works. And I think by human nature, we want to see the best in people. And so they have, they've just graciously come on board and, and it's been oh. amazing to watch that transformation in them. So any mom who is listening, oh my goodness, like you have to be inspired by this because what Courtney is saying is in every single one of us, like we all feel the same way. We more than anybody else understand that our kids don't want to be this way and there has to be better solutions. So you said, yeah, I didn't create this, but here's the thing. You were instrumental, the leader in helping other people to see your vision. So in that Dearborn, um, was, was that, is that something that they share in that county? Did they share their program with other states and counties? Would they? And how would you... Um- so they, they definitely, so they got a big financial incentive for sharing their program with counties in Indiana, but JCAP is not unique to Indiana. There are these programs in county jails across the com- country. They're not all called JCAP. Some of them are RSAT, which stands for residential substance abuse treatment. Um, some of them are RSAP, which is residential substance abuse program. Um, and Indiana has had other um, RSAT or RSAP programs for the last 10 years. Um, the, the attorney general just became aware of Dearborn County because I think theirs was kind of the longest running at the time. Okay. And so that was the one that he kind of jumped on. Um, 
but yes, I would say, so in my experience, I reached out to many different counties in Indiana when I first came on in January of 2019. Um, and I just said, I hear you have this program. Can you, would, would you be willing to talk to me about it? I'm trying to get ours up and running. How do you get your funding? How do you, um, sure. how do you do your selection program? How do you do this? And every County that I called was more than happy to talk to me. Um, I toured different facilities. They showed me their, um, their program blocks because we, we keep our participants separate from general population. It helps with that kind of, um, it's called like the skid row mentality or the jail mentality. Um, and so they, they were incredibly gracious and super helpful. Wow. And, that and I have had, um, counties from across the country call me and say, Hey, we heard, we saw this on the news or, uh, so, so such county referred to would you be to walk and without fail every time I probably take up more time than what they had intended but I I am super proud of our program and we do have something um that is very unique not not every county and very few counties um focus on the life skills and the building of the self-esteem the way that we do so how can you tell us a little bit about that and how it's different yeah so um you know most most people recognize that they need recovery help. So that kind of the standard programs for recovery help are moral recognition therapy, um, matrix, um, thinking for a change, AA, smart recovery, celebrate recovery. We all know those programs work um, on, on different levels and that they're, they're good solid programs. And so, and they're easy to find instructors for. Um, and, and the courts are familiar with them, so they recognize them. But what I saw, when I talked with the females in the jail for, I came in for probably two and a half years before I started working with JCAP, um, doing smart recovery and hearing these women say, I don't look in the mirror because I hate what I see. Um, oh. or just the comments that they would make about themselves. I'm a piece of shit. I, I yeah, I could never do that. And it just broke my heart because um, I started to recognize that same self-esteem deficiency in my own son and how he was embarrassed. And I've had girls say, you know, if, if you knew the things I've done and I'm like, you struggle with addiction, it happens. And they're like, no, things I've done. And so we talk about it and they are incredibly eager to unburden themselves. Sure. And so you, you learn Healthy. a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It is, it is really healthy. And so I watched these women as they came to class every week, twice a week, um, and they would do their homework and they would bring it in and they would be so proud to hand me this paper that they filled out. And, and I would, I mean, I'm a mom of four. And so my vocabulary is, um, it's very, I'm so proud of you. Oh, good job. You know, like those are normal mom things that yeah, we say, sure. right? Um, the number of people that have said to me, you're the first person that's ever told me they're proud of me, just breaks my heart. And people yeah. don't believe it when I say, I have had so many people say that to me. Um, I have letters from participants in our program and from females that I worked with before that say, no one was ever proud of me until I met you. Uh, and it just breaks yeah. my heart because sure. the first time someone said that to me, I didn't even remember that I had said it. And then I thought, oh my gosh, how could I be so like blase about saying I'm proud of someone? Now I have to really like focus on that. And it's something that I say with, um, I say it very deliberately now because I want them to feel that I sure. am so proud of them. Sure. And so, um, really focusing on, on that self-esteem aspect of our program makes a huge difference. And so we are incredibly lucky here in Kosciuszko County, Indiana, because 
we have this amazing community with tons of resources and we have all of these organizations that are more than willing to jump in. So I have fitness instructors. I've never paid for a fitness class. They all just volunteer their time and they love to come in and the jail commander at first. So he, he was an, an officer for 20 years as well. And a Marine before that. And, um, he, he was kind of a hard nosed, like, you know, you just do things by the book. And, and he was like, you want yoga classes for these women? Are you kidding me? And I was like, <laughs> yes, yes. Yoga we do. so good for them mentally. And I tried to explain this, the science of, of exercise, but even more. And I think what he got was these women need to see the change that they're making. And when they see how strong they're getting through yoga, they see the physical difference in them. They sleep better. They, they want to eat better because they are seeing the benefits of the changes that they're making. It translates into other aspects of their lives. Sure. And so um, we do art wow. therapy, which is amazing. And we have, I had a guy show me his, his art journal yesterday. And he was like, I didn't even know I could draw and look at this. I'm so proud oh. of it. And I was like, I'm so proud of it. Wow. It was so good. And, um, we have music therapy. We have a, a gentleman who owns a, um, called music encounters here and um they do music lessons and they do songwriting and production and he is coming in and he's had our men this is the first group that has done this class um he's had the men write down different thoughts about their their past about where they want their future to go and they are working in collaboration with each other to, to build this song. And then he takes it back each week to his studio. And he's got a couple of people there that are working on it with them. And they, they're writing the song and they're saying, it's just exciting to, to go into the block and to have the men say, oh, you're good. And I didn't know where we were going with this at first, but I can really see it coming around. And it gives them hope. Like, there's very little that you look forward to coming around your family means you're going to get a lecture. You're going to feel like the black sheep of the family. You're going to, you know, you're going to get the looks or even if you don't, you feel like you do, you have lost so many jobs, you, you know, whatever, there's just so many negatives in that life and they lose hope and they forget, I think how to hope. And so when they start to see it, come about it's exciting we have um, a bank that comes in and does finance classes and I have a guy right now I mean he is just on fire for fixing his credit and he's been calling his mom and giving his mom like ideas on different things that he needs to do once he gets out and she's had his credit report run for him so that he can like really start to be proactive and she called me and she said I I haven't heard this much hope in in him for the longest time and she's just in tears oh, because yeah. something like awesome. a finance class wow. is sparking him to do better and at the same time they're getting the recovery work they're learning to recognize their triggers they're learning about the science of addiction so that they understand what they're fighting yes. against which i think is is hugely important Huge. right yeah i i hear yeah. that too <laughs> um i i have a mom in the group who asked this question would you be able to share your written processes with us to present to our law enforcement officials in our community. And I think you kind of answered that is they would probably have to go to start with Dearborn County in Indiana and contact their law enforcement. Am I right? Cause some, most um, of my moms aren't from no, Indiana. No. no, oh. Okay, so I don't think you really have to do that. Um, the program is simple. And, but what I will say is the first place you need to start is with your sheriff. Um, if you can't get in to see your sheriff, start with your jail commander and you have to have those two people on board without their support. This program is going to be super tough because okay. you have to have their support in order to get the court's support. And you have to have the court support. Sure. You need the prosecutor to be right. able to sit down with you the whole, but I mean, I am happy to, to kind of write an outline of what I think needs to happen first, second, third, um, and, and why, because okay. I think understanding the why is always so important. Sure. Um, because there's, I mean, there are a lot of moving parts to it, but at, at the core, it's, it's a it, basic 
feeling common it, sense right program. It's, it's yeah. just being a mom to people who need uh, hope and yeah. self-esteem. You know, I just want to uh, yeah. take a side uh, kind of on the side here, just so because sometimes we women in particular don't think they have the credentials to do this job. And when you're talking, you know, I love how you say it's simple to you. It's just being a mom to, to people who are uh, need hope, right? But um, mm -hmm. it also sounds like you're a quote counselor. I, I'm not a therapist either, but um, I, I don't think you have uh, a degree in counseling, do you? So what is your background? So I um, dropped out of college after one semester to get married and have a family. <laughs> and I have been a stay-at-home mom since. Okay. I have never had a real job. I mean, I, I say that. I taught reading groups at my kids' elementary school for like two years. Um, I think it was a total of six hours a week that I was in the school. Um, that is the extent of my okay. education. And thank you for and, sharing that. Yes, because yeah, yeah. moms, you don't have to have like an MBA or a bachelor's or a, a degree in therapy to do what you know, Courtney has done yeah. here. So how many so people- I will tell you, oh, I, I was told by a different county um, and it was one of the counties I've mentioned that I was not qualified to do what I do. Um, because I was a liability to the program and that I needed this degree and that degree. And, um, and I got off the phone feeling really like, wow, like, what? you know, I am, yeah, you didn't mom. measure up. Yeah. I, I, I'm not good enough. Like, what am I doing? Sure. Who do I think I am to, to be able to do this. Um, one of our counselors that comes in daily to do group and individual counseling with our individuals. I'm the one that brought him on board. He's very well educated. He ran the largest mental health facility in Northern Indiana. And, um, and I was frustrated and I didn't say anything to anybody for several weeks over what I had been told because I was embarrassed. I, I mean, I was like, Oh, what if somebody finds out right. <laughs> that I'm not qualified? Um, and during a conversation with him, I, I told him You're what this lady had said to me. And he was like, you're, you're not like, and I preface many conversations with my participants with, I'm, I'm not a counselor. This is my opinion. Right, yeah. Totally. And, and I say that at community meetings and with the sheriff, like, this is my opinion. This is what I think. Um, but I am, I am humble enough and smart enough to know that you have to put the right people in the right places. So we have amazing mental health professionals that come in. I'm not going to hire a, a mechanic to come in and teach art therapy. You know what I mean? Like right. I have sure. put the right people in the right places. And, and that sometimes takes a little bit of humility on my part because I, I get ahead of myself and feel like I could do it all. Um, but when you start working with, with the people in your community, the right people become very evident very quickly because they stand out and, and you just go, mm, I want to work with that person. Sure. And they're, they will connect with my people. Like I have had many people come to me and say, you know, oh, I would love to do this. And as I talk with them, while it's a nice idea, they don't maybe understand, um, they don't maybe understand addiction mm -hmm. and they aren't somebody who maybe is going to connect with the clientele that we're working with because um, any sort of fraudulency on your behalf, they are going to immediately pick up on. These people have been, most of them raised in environments where they have always had to question everyone's motives oh. and, and trust. And, you know, it, they're very good right. at reading sincerity. And so we, we, I always have that in the back of my mind sure. you know, that I have to find the most sincere and right. the people that they're going to connect with, because that's when we start to build that community for them. And, when they feel like they can get out of jail and call Janie or call Bob or call, you know, yeah. and, and get the help that they're looking for. That's, that's when they build that really good network that makes right. them successful. Yeah. Oh, that's so important because moms, we all have those credentials, right? Um, 
we're going to go in and be authentic if it's something that you feel called to do. Mm-hmm. But because um, we know, we, we yeah. understand their pain and how you can't punish or lecture the pain out of them. So right. how, how many um, have gone through the program so far? Um, so we've had 78 students. Um, a, about 10 of those um, were brought into the program at the beginning of COVID. We oh. had to halt. And then the majority of those aged out. Um, you know, they got out of jail or moved on in their process. Um, and so we had to restaff. We kept the same, you know, if, if they were still in jail and had been originally staffed, we kept them. Um, so really about 70 um, individuals have gone through the program. So what, can you tell us um, one of the best stories of somebody? I mean, I'm sure you have a lot of hopeful stories, but I'd love yeah. to hear of somebody who's graduated. Yeah, um, so we have a lot. We have a 65% success rate right now, which is incredible. Um, on the national average for private um, recovery centers is at, at best estimates, you're looking at like 40% success. So we're very proud of our success rate. And, and that success is not based off of just recidivism. Um, that is me following these people and, and tr- just keeping in contact with them and knowing even if they've wow. relapsed, but they haven't been arrested, we, we count that into our kind of negative pile. Um, I like to call it our not yet pile because um, they're just not there yet. Um, right. But um, so, so I have a, a gentleman too, actually, they were in the same group, um, our first group of men, and they were kind of the outsiders. They were not cool kids in the jail, which if you've ever spent any time in the jail, you'll know there's, there's kind of a hierarchy of people. Um, these two guys were very quiet. They were very small. They kept to themselves. And, um, the first couple weeks of class, they sat in the back by themselves and not because they just were insecure uh, um, around the other guys. And, um, so two weeks into class, we were talking and um, we, I was teaching smart recovery and I shared with the guys that my opinion was that hundred percent of people who struggle with addiction have also um, experienced major childhood or adolescent trauma. And I shared with them that that was a really hard thing for me to say because my son is an addict. And um, one of the gentlemen in the back of the room, one of these two very quiet guys started crying. And he cried, cried. And I said, Hey, buddy, if you need to, you need to go into your room and get yourself together a little bit, or just take a few minutes, feel free. And he was like, no, I'm fine. And he continued to sit and cry as we talked. And we talked about the different types of trauma that they may have experienced in their life. And he became super emotional. And so I stopped again and I said, Hey, if you need to take a minute. And he said, no. And he stood up and he said, I have been abused sexually from the time that I was seven until 14 when I left my house. And he just, he just stood there and cried. And then one of our other participants who was one of the cool kids in the jail, um, he was the oldest man in our group and he was, um, just a a very nice, nice guy. Um, but very hard. Like he was, he was, he was hard and, um, he stood up and he said with tears rolling down his face, he said, me too. Oh gosh. And several other guys started shaking their heads and those who weren't maybe brave enough in that moment or comfortable enough in that moment, they just sat with their heads down. And it was so, I just stood and watched and what I saw over the next couple of hours in that block, because it was our first men's block. So even when we had other instructors come in, I would sit and watch the cameras. And I saw these men physically move their tables closer together I saw these two guys that had always sat in the back for the first two weeks, just melt into the rest of the group. And so that particular group of men graduated about a year and a half ago. And with the exception of one, 
they are all clean. They are all still in contact with each other. And it, it has been one of these two very quiet guys that sat in the back that has made sure everybody stayed in contact. He's the one who reaches out when he feels like somebody's hanging out with somebody they shouldn't, or if he hears somebody's lost a job. I can't tell you how many of those men he has gotten jobs, or even he reaches out to our to our more recent graduates just to stay connected. He has actively worked to build this um, really good friend base and support system and community. And it has been amazing. He got married. He's got two little kids now. And it has been, he came back and spoke with our men um, just a couple of weeks ago and um, really encouraged them in their journey and, you know, shared with them, like, I, I just bought a truck. And not only did I buy a truck, but that meant I got my license back ahead. You know, I I did all of these things. It's possible. I'm always talking about making your pain and making purpose out of your pain. That is Mm -hmm. such a good example. And just curious, was was faith a big part of his um, restoration or do you You know, so for many of our participants, it is. For that particular guy, um, it, it quietly was, but maybe not on the same level that I've seen others. Yeah. I, I get to see both, both sides of that. And I, and I will say the majority of the time when they get really involved with a church and they dig into their faith, um, they tend to be more successful, or I should say the majority of our kind of success stories have that faith, that faith base. Um, but I still have some who just, who don't, Yeah. but they're still really successful because they stay committed. Yeah. Wow. That is so powerful. Thank you for sharing that story. That was, yeah, Yeah. I I can picture that. What's been the most difficult part of implementing the program? Um, I would say the jail culture has, that's been, because it's discouraging when you hear So I I will tell you this, the first six to nine months that, that I came in, um, with JCAP. So I had already been coming to the jail for two and a half to three years. The jailers did not talk to me during that time, except just barely during the first six to nine months of me coming in every single day, eight, 10, 12 hours a day. Um, they mostly did not talk to me. And, and there was this rumor that I was making big money, like big money. Like they thought I was making a hundred thousand dollars a year. And so six to nine months of just kind of being like shunned by them. Um, and, and sitting in this interview room and I would bring my stuff with me every day back and forth. Um, I was in central command one day and somebody made a comment about how much money I made. And, and I jokingly, because I wasn't making anything, I was like, Oh yeah, I really make the big money. (laughs) And they thought I was serious and that I was bragging. And so then there was even this bigger riff, like, yeah, she's going to throw it in our face that she makes more money than us. Um, It was just their insecurity. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. It was the craziest thing to me because a couple of days later, somebody actually said, you know, you really made a lot of people mad. And I was like, what? Wait, you know, I don't, I don't actually get paid. And they were like, we all know you get paid. And I said, I don't get paid. I really do not get paid. There was no, nothing in the budget. Like there's, they're not going to hire somebody to do this over hiring another jailer because we're really short staffed or whatever. And so I explained it. I'm like, you need to talk to the jail commander about it because he will tell you, I I don't get paid. paid. And so then suddenly things shifted. They would be ordering lunch and they would say like, Hey, do you want anything from McDonald's or whatever? And it was like this really like subtle little, like, okay, we're okay with you being here now. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And so I, that was a whole year that I didn't get paid. And then when I started getting paid, of course, county employees, everything's public. They all knew that I was starting to get paid. Um, and so many of them came to me and said, we're so glad you get paid now. 
you oh deserve this. Oh my gosh, and, breakthrough, like, girl. Yeah, so oh. seeing their change and, right. and honestly, the first time oh. that I had a jailer come to me and say, do you know so-and-so they're in F block and um, man, they could really use this program. I, I'm not going to lie. I went back to my office and cried because I just thought wow. how this, far you come this is. Yeah. yeah. And the goal of the program is, is to not just help the inmates, but also to break the stigma of addiction. And I will tell you from my experience that stigma of addiction does not just come from the community. The inmates and the people who struggle with addiction, they have this, this perception that they're not good enough. They're not wanted certain places there. And it's not true. Um, most of the time, yes. but they have that lack of self-esteem to, and that they don't feel like they belong. And so they project that, you know, yes. what you project out, you get back. And so, right. um, so the goal has always been break that stigma. I don't want parents to feel the way that I did. And I'm sure you all did when, you know, your son or daughter's mugshot was on oh, Facebook yeah. for the first time or that your neighbors found out your son was a heroin or meth addict. And there's so much shame and guilt that comes with that, that I, I needed the community to see that. I live in a upper middle-class neighborhood. I've been a stay-at-home mom. My husband is a professional. I was raised in a great family. My dad was a professional. My mom was a stay-at-home mom. This happens to everyone. It's right. not, it's not in our trailer parks. It's yeah. not that, yeah. It's Poverty. This, yeah. Yeah. This is an yes. everyone problem. And as I see those those barriers coming down, um, those walls, those differences, whatever it is, that's really encouraging to me because oh. that's where I feel like our community starts to heal. So, oh gosh, that's so true. And you, moms, Courtney has gotten our community so involved. Um, I think that there was a lot of news um, articles that mm -hmm. centered around this change and mm -hmm. um, asking the community to embrace it. But how, do you, how did you get, how do you, how was the buy-in from the community? Like, how did you go out and get what you needed? Yeah, um, so, you know, you lose all pride and you just start asking. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> um, and I yeah. always- They can I'm say no. Start with the moon, yep. And then, you know, we walk it back and they offer what they can. And it has been, amazing there have been very very few if any like nothing even comes to mind where i have asked an organization or a community member for something and been turned down for any reason um you know what even to this so i um like our fitness instructors i told you i have literally cold called people that i because i'm not a fitness workout kind of girl and so <laughs> i heard through friends of friends or whatever sure. that you know, oh this girl she you know she works at javerni which is like the fancy gym here in yeah. town sure. for women and um i cold called her and said hey this is who i am this is what i do this is what i'm looking for would you have any interest and she cried and oh. said, oh my gosh, my niece has struggled. I would love to oh, feel sure. like Everybody I'm doing something. Yeah. Yeah. And, and when you start to figure out that everybody does have a connection to, to this problem that the, and the, and they're looking they they want ways to help. And so not only are, have our community members been amazingly gracious, our community organizations, um, one of the great things that our sheriff did um, in the first three months of him taking office was he had me sit down and make a list of all of our community organizations that had anything remotely relevant to um, addiction. And I made a huge list and then um, I called and I sent out invites and we invited everyone to come to the justice building. We sat down in the multi-purpose room around one giant table and we had representation from everybody there. And the sheriff started the meeting and he just said, we've got to get on the same page. We are not competing for business. No. We need to work together. And if your strong suit is counseling, 
and your strong suit is offering clothing and food assistance, we need you to stay in your lane and do what you do best. Yeah. So what does everybody have to offer? And wow. the conversation was amazing. We did have one organization that got up and left um, oh. and they have not worked well with any of the other organizations since. I mean, they didn't previous to that. Um, and I, I, they're, not, they're not thriving because we all support each other. And when I'm asked, you know, um, for different resources in the community, I know exactly who to send them to because I know what everybody does. Right. And so I can say, you know, oh, this is, this is where you're going to want to go for this. This is where you're going to want to go for that. Um, and they in turn are also able to do the same thing when they have someone come to them looking for counseling services, but their, their wheelhouse is, um, commodities and things, then they're able to say, you know what, that's not what we do, but uh here is step over yeah. here. And, right. and so the communication has been amazing wow. and it introduced wow. all of them to what we were trying to do. And they got so excited and sure. they, I mean, the number of emails and phone calls that I had after that meeting of organizations saying, Hey, just to put a bug in your ear, here's what we can do. We wow. would love to be able to support you in this. I don't pay for any classes except um, I do pay for our art therapy classes. I pay for our, um, our music class um, and I pay for our mental health services through a grant. The, uh, everything else is, is donated oh, yeah. to us. Yeah. There's occasionally I'll have different classes that come in and I will pay the instructors. Those are kind of what I call one and done classes. Maybe they're two or three sessions, but, but they're kind of specialty things that yeah. we feel are really important. And so we're happy to pay for them. Um, we, we run off of donations at this sure. point. We actually, are, we have one grant through the Indiana Sheriff's Association that covers our mental health costs everything else is paid for through grants, our graduation costs, our fitness wow. uniforms, any books, materials that we have to have everything. Was that hard to find the grants? The grants are horrible. They are <laughs> the very bane of my existence. They make me cry more than anything else. How, I hate them. How, and how do you we find them? Agreed. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so you, for Indiana, you go to Indiana Criminal Justice Institute. They are the grant handler for um, state money that actually comes from federal sources. So you're really applying for a federal grant, which makes them even worse. Um, oh. And they are nearly impossible to work through. We have applied for several. We have been granted one um, and the others, it was, it, they were so overwhelming and took so long and no award actually came even we we were granted the money I guess um we were awarded the money okay but then like nothing ever came to fruition out of oh. them we did not get the funding and so the the Indiana Sheriff's Association money however is different that's just a, a simple MOU that you sign um and our health care provider our mental health care provider actually um, signed an MOU with us and the ISA, and they are able to build the ISA direct, which is awesome because then right. I don't have to do it. So yeah, yeah the, the grants are horrible. Um, okay. The local grants, we did have a grant through like our um, K21 Health Foundation. That was a wonderful process, easy to work with them. It was sure. great. Um, unfortunately, because of COVID, we ended up not using the majority of that funding. Um, you know, cause it was a one-year grant and of oh, course we got it in God. March of 2020. Yeah. And so that was disappointing, but, um, but we've had, you know, Dane and Mary Louise Miller foundation has, right. they have given us $20,000 in the last six months wow. and they're just huge supporters of the program. Yeah. I had a gentleman call me a couple of weeks ago, wanting to know why we didn't have a donation tab on the sheriff's office, Facebook page, because he's been trying to make a donation and he needs to know where to send this check. And he was a little, Whoa. he was like really firm with it. Um, and then a week later, I got a check for a thousand dollars from him, which is, I mean, just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, we just are, are really lucky. And I, I feel like when you have every intentions of doing the right thing and serving others that the Lord really provides. And yeah. I've seen that repeatedly. The first 
uh, $10,000 donation that we got from the Dayton and Mary Louise Miller Foundation, our funds were actually down to $500. Oh. And we were starting a new group. And I was panicked because I needed workbooks and I needed clothes and I needed all these things. Yeah. And the first year of the program, my husband and I funded the majority of it because we just didn't have the funding. And so, um, you know, at some point my husband was like, Court. Yeah. <laughs> like, Come on. How long is this going to go on? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, and not that he wouldn't have stepped in and been a hundred percent on board with doing it because we've seen the benefits of the program, but, um, you know, it's, it, it's, it's a little taxing. And so, yeah, sure. um, literally the week that I was stressing over all of this, I got a call from them saying, Hey, we'd like you to write something up. We'd like to make a donation. And so oh. the Lord provides and, yeah. and it's an amazing experience to be able to be on the receiving end of that. So Cool. Well, thank you so much for everything that you do. Let me, I'm going to, Hey ladies, if yeah. you have a question unmute or raise your hand unmute and go ahead and ask Courtney. I'm going to check Facebook and see if we have questions there. Okay. Um, hi, Courtney. I have a question for you. Um, have you given any consideration to bringing to to making this available to people after they come out of jail? Because I think that's a time that it's really important for them to have these skills. And there's a lot of people that aren't in jail that could probably really Good benefit question. from a program like this. Yeah. So kind of, and and kind of. So my, my five-year plan is to actually have like JCAP phase two is what I call it, um, where upon release, they okay. would actually go to a JCAP house that would be run co-op style where they mm -hmm. would be able to, there'd be a live-in house manager. They would be responsible for the maintenance and the upkeep of the house, as well as the day-to-day -day operations of the house. So just like a co-op, if you're familiar with the co-op system at colleges, um, you know, they have a, a semester project where they will redo the kitchen or they redo the roof or whatever needs to be done on the house. Um, there is a house manager that kind of oversees all of uh, all of the day to day things. But you also have a kitchen manager who's responsible for making up the meal plan for the week and the and the grocery shopping for the week. And you've got a house budget manager who handles, you know, this is what your grocery budget's going to be this week. And and you've got a program manager who makes sure that, you know, everybody's doing their classes and things like that. Um, so it would give them an opportunity. One of the things that we really struggle with is that a lot of our participants don't have anywhere safe to go afterwards. Yeah. And we are deficient in our community in sober living. Um, and, and sober living is difficult when you are in your own community anyway. And so if we can give them a place to go that is safe and where they still have that same structure, they still participate in classes and counseling, but they work. Um, and so they get to practice their finance skills and they get to build their self-esteem through really seeing the success of what they're doing all while still getting the counseling and, and services that they need. So that's kind of my, my long-term goal for this. Obviously that's a, it's lofty, it's pricey. Um, and it's, it's difficult with zoning and, and funding and getting communities really to wrap their head around that because every community, including ours, um, still would like to believe that they don't have a problem <laughs> and that those people don't live in their neighborhoods. Um, and, and so, you know, it, it becomes a difficult struggle to, to get zoning for a house like that. Um, and then one of the other, well, a couple of other things that we do for our participants while they're in the program is we pair them up with a mentor from the community and that mentor visits them while they're in the jail. They write letters. It's fantastic. Um, and then once they get out, they yeah. still have that connection and they meet once a week and they, they become friends really is, is the best way to put it. And so it's, it's a really positive thing. We also do a family support group. So while the, while the men or women are in the program, their families come to a family support group where they learn about what their loved one is learning about. And then they also learn about enabling and communication and boundaries and all those things that we've all struggled with. I, I mean, I shouldn't say we all, but I have definitely struggled with and didn't know that that was a thing. Like for the longest time, I didn't know that boundaries was a, was a term that I needed to know and know how to implement. And so we really try to educate the families and friends of 
the people in our program so that we're helping to build that support system. Um, and in our community, we are pretty lucky because we do have um, a lot of groups. We've got um, AA meetings every single day of the week, multiple times a day. We have um, Smart Recovery, we have Celebrate Recovery. So we have a lot of options for that. We also have um, our domestic violence shelter here in Kosciuszko County um, they do two hours of programming with our individuals every week. And through that, they do an intake with our individuals. And that intake offers our participants a full year of counseling and classes through their organization for free. And so when they get out and they can take their children so their children can get counseling, um, it's, it's just this amazing relationship wow. that we have with them to be able to continue that support um, and, and pro process after they leave the jail. And, and I so think I don't, that kind of answer. I think it's really important too. any moms who are listening and your children are getting out of jail um, or in a position where they need help to look for resources in your community because just like we have them here, I'm sure that in your community, mm -hmm. they have something too. It's just a matter of tapping into, you know, mm -hmm. the resources and talking to the right people. But by just inquiring, um, where I guess um, maybe starting with um, the hospital or the if you have a mental health um, facility mm -hmm. in your community, start there and find out where resources are, or, or is there someplace else that you could recommend? So I think, you know, the organization that I was talking about was the Beeman Home, a domestic violence shelter. Okay. So yeah. every single one of our participants has um, qualified for their services because they have either lived in a domestic violence situation, they, um, as a child or as an adult, like it doesn't matter when it happened in your life. And so when you think about the fact that, that all of our participants have um, struggled with childhood or adolescent trauma, it almost always falls under um, a domestic violence um, situation. And so, um, so check with your domestic violence shelters because they run off of state grants and they get money easily. And when they get new clients, they get more money. And so they are really, really anxious to help because that's where their heart and their passion is. Sure. Um, we have Fellowship Missions, which is the homeless shelter here in Kosciuszko County. They have their own recovery program that they run. They know all the resources. They now have started um, an addiction resource hub. So they are helping send people to rehabs and to recovery homes. Um, they are a fantastic resource in our community yeah. for that. So like at combined community services is like, I, I often say the most underrated organization that we have in our community because they offer, they have like um, self-sufficiency programs and hand up programs, not a handout program, but a hand up where they really guide people through becoming self-sufficient, be, um, getting gainful employment and parenting classes. Like they do so much. Um, and so really just like when, when my son first started to struggle, the first call I made was to our local mental health organization. For me, it was a brick wall. It was not helpful. I did not get any guidance whatsoever. I was told he was 18 and he, you know, they, they weren't going to be able to help me because he wouldn't stay, um, which is incredibly frustrating when you are panicked yeah, as a mother, yeah. having, you know, yeah. um, and so I felt really lost and hopeless. And I started looking outside of our community, not knowing that all of this existed right here. So one of the things that, that the sheriff has done, like I said, we brought all of these community people together to sit around the table, but then we set up quarterly community resource meetings. So it was right in the jail lobby. And we had people from all of these different organizations man the table throughout a two day period. And they, we had every organization's information right there on the table. So people could just pop in talk to somebody from fellowship missions, but they had questions about the Beeman home. And because we have these great relationships, this organization was able to give the information on this organization and, um, and, and offer all these pamphlets and brochures and any, any type of information yeah. or phone numbers that they needed, which was amazing. And, and I've been in some of these meetings where you go and, and you're like blown away because there are so many 
resources in the community, but unless you get together, you don't even realize what's there. So even yeah. in your communities, you know, even if you wanted to do one little thing, it would be going around and finding the resources and making a one sheet or some kind of brochure for mm -hmm. anybody who um, a parent of an addicted loved one has questions. So that might be another, I mean, there's just so many ways that we can pop into um, yeah. helping in our community. So um, is there, is there anything, it's, it's 1130. I don't, I don't want to um, keep you too long, but is there anything else um, that we didn't cover that you want to share, Courtney? Um, I don't think so. I really, I, I love your idea of um, being that person that gathers all the information to create that one sheet um, that has all of the community resources on it. Um, I've been on committees where we set up community um, events. Um, it was an, an evening program where we had different organizations talk about their role in addiction and what our community was facing. We had the mayor talk, we had the chief of police talk, the sheriff, um, moms of, of addicted loved ones. We've had um, you know people who ran recovery homes talk and, and how it was kind of a more of a brainstorming session of how sure. we can better come together, but really just in having the meeting, we came together. And so um, get involved with that. Our, our local mental health organization generally has been the person to sponsor those meetings. Um, and they are a great resource for that. But um, bringing the community together is, is essential for, for affecting that change. And I think that that's kind of where it starts is is having somebody put all those resources together. Great, great idea. Um, Gloria asked too, one of our moms, um, if, if you have, if you create a one sheet that could help other moms who might wanna do this, just anything that you can just write down and outline, mm -hmm. and maybe you already have it already. Um, I yeah, I'm happy to do that. Okay. I will, um, so I will work on it next week. I'm. I'm not, I'm, I am not a really great documenter of things. Um, and so I don't have it, but I will put it together and then I'll email it to you, Michelle, and then you can, you can get it, send it out to whoever yeah. wants it. And even if you just like write it out or type it out and I can, um, I just hired a virtual assistant to help me. So I can get nice. it to her too. And um, she can, you know, put it on a, I don't know, just dress it up or something that we yeah. can hand out or as a PDF that we can give out just to inspire. Um, and you have been so inspirational to all of us because you, um, okay, yeah, the idea was already out there, but if you hadn't been the driving force, none of this would have been happening for so many people right now. And I just want to personally thank you for that. And um, I'm you. sure that the rewarding part of your job. Yeah, some of my moms are clapping. So the rewarding part of your job is probably seeing the transformation. Am I right? In the community, absolutely. in the jail staff mm -hmm. and in um, your students. So um, anyway, thank you so much for giving us your time today. Thank you for having me. I know I get really long-winded I love it. it really no, it's is perfect. Just because I'm, I am incredibly proud of what we've put together and I am passionate about it because I see the success and I see the change in, in our individuals and, and it is exciting. And I don't think anybody could not be as excited as I am about it because yeah. it's, it, I don't know. I often say like, I won't know the ripple effect of this for a long time, but I have, um, I had a girl who was in smart recovery well before JCAP. She came every week, twice a week. And um, then she went to prison, like from, from jail, she ended up being sentenced to prison and she has stayed in contact with me for the last couple of years. And um, she called me a month ago and she was like, Courtney, I'm gonna be coming to your house for dinner. <laughs> and I was like, because I had told her like, when you get out, like, this is a girl that I would absolutely be friends with on the outside. Like she's just fantastic. And we just clicked. And, and I always said like, she, cause I said one time, I was like, you're going to have to come to my house for dinner, you know? And she was like, you would have me to your house for dinner. And, and I was like, like oh, yeah. yeah, of course. <laughs> and, um, 
And I was like, what do you mean you're coming to my house for dinner? And she's like, I'm, I'm getting out. Like I got my modification and I'm time served. And so like, we're so excited to be able to reconnect. And it is exciting when you see the, that change. And when she tells me like, you were the first person to believe in me and yeah. I owe, I owe this to you. And I'm thinking, no, are you kidding me. <laughs> I didn't do anything yeah. except I was nice to you. Believe like, in literally you. that's where, yeah. I mean, well, you I believed in her. Yeah. A, a good person, you know, and, and not even a great person, just a good person who was kind and, and you did the rest because of a little bit of bitty thing that I did. And so it is exciting and it kind of fuels you through the hard parts of the job. You know, we had, we had a young lady who passed away of an overdose who had graduated our program. And that is just a, a real blow to everything yeah. that you're trying to do. And, and you second guess everything when that happens. Sure. Um, and because we are such a tight community, our, our little JCAP family, um, the number of, of past graduates that I had reach out to me after that situation happened and they just said, you know, we love you and, and we're doing great. And don't, don't beat yourself up over this. This isn't yeah. your fault. And uh. just like the encouragement that they gave me was amazing. Sure. And, um, and just such a good reminder that we are a family. Like we, and, we are the JCAP family. <laughs> right. And wow, that they knew that you would feel that way and that they took time yeah. to give back to you after what you've given them. Um, they're human. We all want to be heard yeah. and understood. And oh my gosh, that is, that is just yeah. so good to hear. Yes. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Thank you. Oh, you're so inspirational. <laughs> so, Does anybody you. have any last minute questions? Oh, she's going to unmute. Hang on. Okay. I just want to say thank you so much, Courtney. You are amazing and you're doing wonderful things for our community. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. Well, thanks again, everybody, for hopping in and Courtney for being here with us today. God Thank bless. you. All right. All right. Make me want to move to Indiana. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, come on up. We'll take you, Teresa. <laughs> Thank you. Thank right. you. Thank you, guys. Bye. Bye, Bye. guys. God thanks. bless.